Well, isn't that true? How often is time wasted? We waste time, we spend time, and so often, so many people can accomplish so little in the same amount of time that someone else can accomplish so much. How's that possible? Well, in our series, 52-Day Plan, we've been looking at a key verse. And that key verse has spoken to how Nehemiah was able to accomplish in 52 days what most people had not done because they'd wasted their time, even wasted their life for 70 or even 100 years. Remember that verse? It's been the theme of our whole series, 52-Day Plan. It says in chapter 6 of Nehemiah, verse 15, So the wall was finished. On the 25th day of Elihu, in the 52-day timeline. And it happened when all the enemies who pushed back, tried to stop it, saw the wall was built. They were disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived this work had been done by God. Some people do a lot of talking, but not a lot of doing. Some people do a lot of complaining. Oh, I couldn't do it because and this and that. And they're often overcome by those who do some doing. There's those who rationalize, there's those who excuse. But Nehemiah wasn't one of those. Somehow he was able to accomplish something in 52 days that had not been done in almost a century. See, his secret could be our secret. And the secret is a simple concept called faithfulness. Faithfulness. It's not really showy, it's not really fireworks, but it's the secret to life, faithfulness. In fact, 52 days he did that, right? I mean, success comes from faithfulness. It's doing small, right things over and over again, over time, and often without being noticed. That's faithfulness, doing small, right things over and over (laughs) and over again, often without being noticed. When we practice faithfulness, we learn a lot of things. We learn how to have a great marriage. We learn how to build a great company. We learn the secret to life when we practice faithfulness, when we define success as faithfulness. Doing the small, right things again and again over time, even without being noticed. How do you build a great marriage? You choose to forgive again and again. How do you build a great relationship with your kids when they're two, when they're 12, when they're 20? You keep listening, you keep investing time, you keep prioritizing them again and again. What does the Bible say about building a great company or working or success? You keep working it. When things are tough, when things are squeezed, you're faithful. You keep working again and again. You keep succeeding again and again. That's what Nehemiah did. It's the old turtle in the hair. How How did that turtle win the race against that rabbit? One right step at a time. Again and again and again. Faithfulness 
It's not sprint and then I'm worn out. It's faithfulness. I do it again and again. There's an old French philosopher. And he said, brilliant acts of valor are rare because they're rarely called for. What's he saying? He's saying all of us love the idea that we would do some heroic deed if it was called upon us. But life doesn't often call upon us to do big heroic things. They're rare because they're rarely called upon. But life every day, every marriage, every parent, every company, every season of life will always call upon you to be faithful in your mind, with your money, in your calendar. Faithfulness is the secret to success. So the question is, what does faithfulness look like? Well, I'd like to share with you three Proverbs today that will help us define faithfulness and more importantly, put the benefits of faithfulness into our lives. And the first proverb is this, a clear vision of yes makes it easy to say no. Meaning if you say to yourself, success means plodding along faithfully, doing the right thing in marriage, even when it's tough, even when it feels like winter, even if it's not really happy to happy day, I'm gonna continue to say yes. Even if my son or daughter and I are not getting along, I'm gonna keep saying yes, and I'm gonna say no to other things. The world is filled with sideways energy, things that will take you off your mission and vision. Faithfulness says I am faithfully building and creating this company, this family, this marriage, this character in me. And on days I wanna do it, I'm gonna work out. On days I can't stand doing it, I'm gonna work out. My vision of yes, helps me know how to say no. Now that was certainly true of Nehemiah. Now it happened that Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem and Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that there were no more cracks in the wall. We had rebuilt the wall, faithfully putting one brick on top of another, one stone after one stone at a time. There were no more breaks left in it, though at the time I had not hung the doors and the gates. I love Nehemiah's detail here. Listen, it was done, but I still had to hang the doors. Now Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, hey, 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 come, let us meet together. Let's have a little chat. Let's talk about what's going on among the villages in the plains of Ono. Now, Nehemiah has got to hang some doors. And here's his enemies yet again trying to distract him. Hey, say yes to this. Let's call a meeting. Let's get together. And Nehemiah is going to know how to say no to them because he's saying yes to keep building the wall, keep hanging the doors, keep creating a space to serve his community. He's going to be able to say no to Sanballat and Tobiah, Igor, because they're not on mission. They're distractions. They're trying to keep him from doing that. In fact, that's what he says. But they thought to do me harm. I knew their real motivation. They weren't trying to help me build a wall and I'm about building a wall. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work. I got a vision of a great work going on. And because of my yes vision, I can't come down. No to you. No, I got more important things going on. No, that's distraction. Why should the great work, the great vision, the great mission I'm about cease while I leave and go down, have a meeting with you? 
Isn't that powerful? That's how Proverbs work. That's how it works when we're focused on a mission. In fact, I heard several years ago about a CEO of Southwest Airlines. And they were having a conversation about how they could be the lowest, most competitive airline business. And a person walked into the CEO's office and said, hey, we've got some feedback that people flying from Dallas to Chicago, they've requested some chicken salad. Do you think we could offer some chicken salad? I think people would love chicken salad. The CEO looked at her, said, well, let me ask you this. If we start providing chicken salad, have you run the numbers? Yes. Have you run the cost? Yes. Will providing chicken salad make us as a company the most dominant, the most competitive, low-cost airline? Um, no. No, it won't. Then we're not going to have any blankety-blank chicken salad. <laughs> oh, she was shocked. But the CEO is able to say, listen, we're about one thing, being the most competitive and the most inexpensive airline. And that yes allows us to say no to good things like chicken salad. It's true in relationships as well. I was actually talking to a friend of mine, Mike, and Mike talked about his vision of having great, deep relationships with his grandkids. So as each one was born, as they've grown from two years old to 20 years old, he prioritizes his calendar as a grandfather to spend a week with each of them. That's a lot of time. Now he did say sometimes it's a weekend, but he tries to take a trip with each of his grandkids every year. He said some of the grandkids, it's, they went to Washington DC and went to a bunch of museums. For others, it was annual fishing trips or downhill skiing trips. But as he talked to other friends, other guys, he said, hey, we're all busy. We're all busy. But are you busy with the things that matter? He said, I've been doing this for 20 years now. I have such an incredible relationship with all the different personalities of the grandkids that I have because I've made time to hang out with them monthly but to get away once a year with them. Now think about all the things Mike had to say no to, right? In order to build those kind of friendships, those kind of relationships, that kind of investment into his grandkids. But if you talk to Mike today, he'll tell you, that's why I say yes. I said no to a lot of things. I wanna be a spiritual influence, a mentor, a trusted voice in the hearts of my grandkids. That's our first proverb. A clear vision of yes makes it easy to say no. Now let me share a second proverb with you because I just think it's so true in life that life is filled with distractions. And Nehemiah, he just keeps doing the right thing over and over again, over time, often without being noticed. And here's our second proverb. Consistent distraction that's life, will call for, it will require faithful focus. There's a hundred good things you could do that are going to distract you from the great stuff. Look what happens. Now they called for this meeting and he said no. Do you, th you think his distractions are going to listen to his no? Of course not. 
Distractions never listen to our no. You have to say no over and over again until they stop knocking on the door so that you can pursue your yes. And that's certainly what Nehemiah does. Look what happens. But they sent this message to me four times. Come on, let's meet. Hey, Nehemiah, let's meet. Come, come on, Nehemiah. Nehemiah, come on. Just, just a minute. Could you just fit this in? Come on. Could, could, oh. Four times. Consistent distractions. They sent this message to me four times, and I answered them in the same manner every time. I'm doing a great work. I got a big yes going on. Why would I stop doing my big yes to go and be distracted with you? Man, that sounds mean. Sounds mean-spirited. Sounds inappropriate. But he knew the real motives. They weren't trying to accomplish the mission. Remember, they were trying to harm him. And your distractions, though good, are trying to harm the kind of person, the kind of relationship with God, the kind of body you're building, the kind of diet you're having. You've got to decide what success looks like and what you're going to say no to. Distractions are going to always call for faithful focus. In a lot of areas, right? Working on serving your wife or your husband, it's going to require focus over time. Creating an awesome culture in your company. Cultures just continue to steer, drift toward gossip. You got to keep faithfully plotting away to create an awesome culture. Developing a great strategy. Lots of distractions. A lot of other good things your company could be doing or you could be doing. Personal attention to your employees. To prioritize that back into your schedule again and again and again. Trying to reach your, your kids' hearts or your grandfather's hearts, as I shared. What does it mean to hang out with your parents, your grandparents, to put a phone call in and vice versa to your grandkids? Increasing your sales, reading your Bible again. All of these things require faithful focus. Getting up every morning and again saying, I'm going to do the right thing again and again. Over time, often without being noticed. And as I do that, those seeds I plant, I become a person of faithfulness because of those little acts of success. And back to Nehemiah, again, four times in the like manner, he's told him, no way, I'm not going to do that. Now, what do you think he says? Well, Sanballat sent his servant the fifth time. All right, we got to try something new to distract this guy. With an open letter. It's like the letter's supposed to be sealed. It's like it happens to fall open. Oh, Nehemiah happens to see it. In this letter, this happen to be open letter, it is written, you know, it's been reported, uh, and Geshem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. I'm not saying it, but it's been reported. Therefore, according to these rumors, you're building a wall so that you could be their king. And I don't think the surrounding people want another king here. And there's a lot of gossip going on. I think if I was you, I'd want to clarify it. You have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there's a king in Judah. These matters will be reported to the king. Now, if you're Nehemiah, you're going to be, oh my goodness, I've got to get to the bottom of this. I've got to address this. These are the rumors. These are the reports. This is going to cause us to be attacked in our infancy. But Nehemiah doesn't even get distracted by this fake open letter with this fake gossip. And nothing wastes our time more than gossip. The Bible describes them as 
Gossip is tender morsels that people want to chew on that ultimately lead to destruction. So how will you and I fight against the distractions? How will we continue to push back with faithful focus? There's a guy in my life who has been a constant reminder of that. His name is Rich. I met Rich when I was in my 20s when he was navigating his daughters, three daughters, through their teenage years. And it was a challenge. It was a challenge as some of them steered into smoking things and drinking things and hanging out with people they shouldn't. And I got to see him love. I got to see him control his temper. I got to see him forgive again, love again, initiate when he'd been called horrible names. And through that season, I saw him build and rebuild and rebuild a relationship with his now grown daughters. I'll never forget the phone call I got five years after that asking me to perform the wedding. And as I saw he and his daughter walk down the aisle, I thought of all those calls, all those moments, all those months that he had spent forgiving and steering and adapting and leaning in. I get a call from him about every six months and every time I'm just amazed by his faithfulness. He has such a heart for building friendships with people regardless of where they are in their spiritual journey. Rich calls himself a follower of Jesus but he has dozens and dozens of friends that wouldn't call themselves Christians or even God followers. And he doesn't befriend them to talk them into something. He befriends them because he loves people. He told me last month when he called me about a friend who was an agnostic. They'd been playing tennis together for, I don't know, six years. And in the context of their tennis, certainly spiritual matters have come up. But in general, his friend's like, hey, thanks but no thanks, thanks but no thanks, thanks but no thanks. He just continues to be a great friend. Such few people are willing to be great friends when people disagree with them politically or disagree with them spiritually. And Rich is such an example to me. Rich told me, he said he got a call from this buddy. He recently passed away. But just a few months before he passed away, this guy said, can I tell you something? Over the last five years, I've realized you're my best friend. I know you're into this whole Jesus thing and I don't want to hear anything about it but I have never had somebody invest in me. You stop by my house and bring tomatoes from your garden. You, you call and ask if I want to play tennis. I'm just so thankful for the kind of friendship. I've never had a friend like that. What did Rich do? Did the right thing over and over again, over time, and often for five years without even being noticed. Constant distraction will always call for faithful focus. And I love Nehemiah's reply. He will turn to them and say, none of those things are true. You're just making that stuff up inside your own heads. Isn't that great? He just calls it what it is. You are a distraction. None of that's true. I know it's not true. You know it's not true. And I'm not going to spend one minute of time trying to unpack all that nonsense. You're just making it up inside your head. Third proverb. The third proverb goes back to what that French philosopher said. Incredible acts of valor are rare because they're rarely called for. Here's our third proverb. A pattern of small acts 
prevails over a moment of brilliance. Right? Think about working out. I don't particularly like working out. In fact, I hate it. I've never found that runner's high people talk about. I've never seen it, never been near it. I've looked for it, nowhere near. Whether you like it or not, small moments of working out, eating right, opening your Bible, every day learning to pray, putting money aside for retirement a little bit over time, giving monthly over time, and suddenly you find you're a big generous giver. You find you become a big saver because over years, over time, you put a little aside. This proverb is true in so many areas of your life. A pattern of small acts will always prevail over just one moment of brilliance. Success is about faithfulness. Look what Nehemiah says. For they all were trying to make us afraid with this open letter, saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done if we can terrify them. Now therefore, O God, and here's Nehemiah again, when he gets scared, when he faces adversity, another one sentence popcorn prayer I call him, just pop, God need help. God strengthen my hands and he's off. (laughs) Afterwards, I came to the house of Shema, the son of Delilah, the son of Mahoshua, who was a secret informer. Now, this is pretty cool. Nehemiah, not only has he been working the wall, but he has actually infiltrated the bad guys with a double agent, so to speak. He's got a secret informer. Now, how long does it take to get a secret informer? He didn't start this 10 days ago, two days ago. He knew going into this, he needed to put people in place to get access to the best information. He's got the secret informer and he said, hey, let's meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night, they will come to kill you. So Nehemiah is not naive. Even as he's faithfully plodding along, he's getting access to information to check the level of danger he's under, the danger the walls are under, the danger his work is under. Just continually doing small acts of information gathering, of building, and of interacting to prevail with the wall. Now, that was Nehemiah's secret. How do you and I rediscover the power of small acts to carry you great distances? Now, what does that look like? What does it mean that small acts can carry you or push you small distances? Well, it's in a lot of things. We're not going to waste our life. We're going to invest our life. I remember uh, about a month ago, I had a bucket list I've been thinking about for 10 years. You ever know people who like accomplish their bucket list moments? Well, I just kind of keep plodding away at mine. And one of mine was to get up on a flight board. If you've never seen a flight board, it's a board that you strap your feet into and it blasts 60 feet of jet from a jet ski up. And you can go three, six, even 40 feet in the air. And I was amazed as I was trying this for the first time, embarrassed, would I be able to do this? And I popped up, but I fell and I fell and I fell. After about 15 minutes, I got it. And I was amazed at the little small movements that made all the difference. I would just slightly tilt, even my big toes forward, and I'd be moving forward. Slightly back, I'd be going back. Little subtle movements, and I was moving in all directions hovering, flying above the world around me with the power of small movements. What about you? I mean, do you have any bucket list moments that you 
have pursued in the last five, 10 years? Do you have some big relational bucket list things that you need to start re-pursuing? Reconnecting with a, a brother you haven't talked to. Rebuilding the walls of a broken marriage. Rebuilding a relationship with your son or your daughter. I mean, the truth is it can be overwhelming. In fact, I have shared this next secret with people for probably 20 years. And it really speaks to that idea that you want, you want to travel 500 miles in your marriage, you want to travel 500 miles in your business, it's going to come down to small acts that carry you great distances. Let me take this for example. Three times three times three is 27. Maybe you feel like you're at a 27 level in your business right now, a 27 level out of 100 in your marriage. And I say, wouldn't it be great to get to a 64 to double the, the, the joy in your relationship? To double the income in your company? Well, sure, it'd be great, Chad, but it's a little naive. Maybe. But it's overwhelming to get from 27 to 64. But did you know that four times four times four is 64? What if I said, take three areas of your life, just three, and we're just gonna tweak them a bit. Do you think you could go from a three to a four and become a little bit better listener? Oh, you're not gonna be a 10 out of 10, but could you be a little bit better at listening? Could you be a little bit better at saving? Could you up your savings from a three to a four? Could you spend a little bit more time with God from a three to a four? The cumulative impact of small acts is amazing. Just by taking three small areas and just tweaking them slightly, you go from a 27 to a 64 output. You are traveling miles more because of small acts of brilliance. They carry great distances. That's certainly true for us as a church. This last nine months has been long, right? And it looks like it's going to keep being long. And yet we just keep doing small faithful acts. Why? Because we serve a God who faithfully stayed on that cross. He did small faithful acts, often without being noticed, to bring about forgiveness and courage and power. Maybe you're saying, as I've been going through this journey, how can I be part of helping God's work at Horizon move from a 27 to a 64? Well, maybe it means coming to services. We got two services, 915, 1045, maybe ready to come, you want to register? We've also fully opened up our children's programs and our student programs. Maybe you've never served before and you want to just up your serving quotient, just a hair. Maybe you want to up your giving quotient. Maybe you've given maybe a tip here, a tip there, but you've never given a percentage of your income to God's work. And you felt encouraged. You felt uh, wisdom being betrayed to you. You felt inspired over the last nine months. And you want to just crank up your giving, your serving, your loving. In fact, we have a, a Christmas tree. We call it the, the giving tree right out by the front door. And that giving tree has ornaments on it, which are ways that you could crank up your serving in the next month. Maybe even just next week, stop by, grab an ornament. It'll show you ways you can give to those at inter-parish ministries, families who won't have a Christmas otherwise. Gifts you can give to those at City Gospel that we've been working with for over 20 years. Maybe you want to give to be part of Happy Church, a real poor area down in Appalachia that we give toward. There's also areas to give to be part of giving presents for families who wouldn't have it with back-to-back. We want to be people who give generously. And over time, little acts of giving, little acts of serving, and we've gone 500 miles into how generous we've become. 
the people we've become. See, God knows that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And I love this song. I used to play this song for my kids. We would go skiing together, downhill skiing, for 17 years in a row. Every week, I would take the kids skiing. And the best conversations we had in the car. We talk about God. We talk about life. We talk about relationships. We talk about tough stuff. And often I would crank this song on the radio. And if the song is, I would walk 500 miles. And if so, I'd walk 500 more. You want to walk 500 miles? You want to go the distance in life? It's asking God to give you the power to be faithful in the little things. From a God who was faithful in the little things when he was nailed on that cross. Let's pray together. Father, I just ask that you would make us people of distance by making us people of faithfulness. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.